This is Dr. David Pomeroy, your host on ADHD Focus. I wanted to remind you that the show is not intended to be a recommendation for diagnosis or treatment of any condition for any specific person. Please consult your mental health professional or doctor managing your ADHD or mental health issues about any diagnosis or treatment related information that you hear on the show. Refer your ADHD provider to the show if he or she would like more information. Thank you. Today, my guest is Roberto Olivardia, who has been a guest on the show, a couple other uh, shows on different aspects of ADHD. Uh, Roberto is a clinical psychologist, has a private practice in Lexington, Massachusetts, and also lectures at Harvard Med School. Roberto, welcome back. Oh, my pleasure, David. So today we're we're talking about skin picking disorder um, and how it may relate to ADHD, and it's something that's baffled me over uh, my years of practice. In not really sure whether this is a an obsessive compulsive disorder on its own and should be treated that way, or what aspects of treating ADHD specifically medicines may bring it out. So um, tell us a little bit about what it is and how it's how it shows up. Sure. So skin picking, or it's also known as dermatillomania, is the clinical term um, for compulsive skin picking, is typically um, been thought of as sort of on the obsessive-compulsive um, disorder spectrum. And in the, the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders, uh, the DSM-5 has it under that category of obsessive-compulsive and related disorders. So it typically has been categorized in that notion as something that's sort of compulsive where people will um, compulsively pick aspects of it could be the skin on their face, it could be on other parts of their body, and uh, really feel this need to to do that. Now, I can talk a little bit more about the, the features of it. Um, now, why we're talking about it is that it definitely can be part of more of an OCD spectrum, but I also see it a lot in patients with ADHD. Um, but first, maybe I could tell you a little bit about what it actually entails. So when we're talking about skin picking, it typically involves uh, certain traits or symptoms. So one is that the person identifies that something needs to be removed. So it could be that they might be touching their face or their arms, their legs, and it could be either a bump that they feel, it could be a pimple that's, that's uh, or acne, it could be something that is from a, a sensory perspective, either visually, on a tactile level, that the person has identified as um, wrong in some ways or, or distracting or ugly or, you know, something that feels uh, offensive on some level. Um, and the or the the feel of it is is very triggering and it makes it very difficult to not you know get rid of it mm-hmm. so it will um often then involve them either squeezing popping you know picking at it it could be scabs it could be the skin around their nails it could be again like um on on their face 
Um, sometimes it involves, particularly where most skin picking, I would say, tends to involve the face. Um, a lot of times it's associated with a lot of mirror checking behaviors. Um, and so there's the, the removal of whatever the thing is. And then sometimes it also involves the visual inspection of the contents post-picking. So somebody who's sort of looking at, let's say, the contents of a pimple after it's popped or, um, you know, have looking at the scab that they might pick off their leg or, um, you know, the, the kind of dead skin cells that might be on a part of their body. It often involves manual manipulation, sometimes like rubbing it between their fingers or having some kind of manual um, piece to it and and then kind of discarding it and feeling a sense of either relief or a sense of um, kind of self-soothing from it and or a sense of stimulation. And so when we talk about ADHD, what's important to understand is that despite the fact that there are a lot of consequences to dermatillomania, mm -hmm. I mean, people can experience scarring and blood loss. Um, it certainly um, can, if anything, exacerbate certain things. Like it definitely can exacerbate acne if someone does have acne, if they're yeah. you know, putting yeah. germs on their face uh, and then they feel really right and they feel worse about it. And then they socially isolate. It can suck up a lot of time and energy. Um, it can be very frustrating um, to the person themselves or, or to loved ones, but it's about, it affects about 3 million people in the U S alone on clinical level to experience this behavior. And it's, it's often, a lot of shame associated with it. Yeah. Now, when we when we think about it and we think about sort of, okay, well, what's driving it? So sometimes it feels very compulsive, like somebody who's doing it and they feel that they just have to do it, but they almost don't want to in the same ways that you might hear about OCD. But with ADHD, it can be a little bit, a little bit different. And with those um, patients, they will regard the behavior as very stimulating, that even though it could be painful at times, even though it could draw blood, um, that, you know, as we know, the people with ADHD were kind of in a reward deficit in our brain. And so anything that's stimulating is rewarding. And as we know, everything that's pleasurable is stimulating, but not everything that's stimulating is necessarily well, pleasurable. Right. And pain that? being one of those things. Yeah. One of the other things I, I, um, that I can see can relate to ADD that you said earlier is that, um, that the, the sensation in people with ADD are very sensitive often to like texture of clothes. Well, it could be texture of your skin or something. Absolutely. You know, it's, there's a feeling of this simple uh, and that bothers you or maybe it's an area that itches where um, it has a different sensation to it, uh, an ingrown hair, something like that. And then that becomes the distracting focus. And, and that may be the start of it, I imagine. And then there's this kind of reward cycle that gets built up. Um, and then it gets. That's 100%. That's very true. And, and I can. Yes. And I know, you know, from my experience as someone who you know, got a lot of injuries from being a very impulsive kid um, and scraping my knees and arms way too many times and having a lot of scabs. I 
um, I enjoyed both the sensation of like picking scabs, but to your point, it was, it was very distracting. Like if I had, let's say scabs on my knees and I was wearing long pants and I can feel it sort of rubbing up against it, 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 I couldn't, I didn't want to be thinking about it, but I couldn't, you know, I could not, not think about it. Right. I couldn't ignore it. That's a better way of saying it. Um, And it's right. It's almost like the tag, you know, on the back of the shirt, that's just, you just have to cut off the tag, like to just Mm -hmm. stop it from bothering you. And that's exactly right for people with ADHD who their, their intention a lot of the times with skin picking is not really to um, even want to remove it for the sake of removing it. It's almost like it's just bothering them. But when they say bother, really what they're often talking about is distracting. Um, And then you're right. Once you get into it, then there's this sensation and the stimulation that's also being rewarded. And then there's also this sense of like, it's a very goal driven behavior. And so as we know for people with ADHD who many of them have the experience of putting in so much energy into something and then maybe getting 30% of, you know, of it back, you know, to them because of executive function issues and things like that. Here's a behavior that almost promises like a very concrete goal. You know, if you're like popping, you know, if you're squeezing a blackhead and there's a very, uh, you know, concrete goal here and, and it's a fairly simple you know, tactic of what you need to do, even though it's, again, not good for the skin. Exactly. And that's why when a lot of people do that, a lot of times patients who have skin picking issues, you know, there's a lot of shame in talking about it to therapists even because what they don't want to reveal is that after, let's say, the blackhead comes out, they, they look at it. They I had, you know, I've had many patients over the years that will, like, put them on tissue so they can... Mm. almost marvel at at it, manipulate it through their hands and be like, yeah, like I got that out. Like it's this sort of, despite the fact that their face could be bleeding from how, you yeah. know, using yeah. sometimes tweezers and using not just their fingers, like really causing damage. And yeah. so there's this goal-driven behavior, this stimulation, this distraction. Of course, we know poor impulse control, like all the ways that, you know, people without ADHD might, let's say, notice something, but better be better able to manage their impulses to say oh i'm not going to pick at that because that's not going to be you know they can attach it to a future consequence and particularly when it gets to the point of okay now you've got either an open sore or scab that keeps on bleeding or it's open or an area that had seemingly been pretty normal looking maybe to anyone else but now there's uh, more uh, scars to it in mm-hmm. noticed other people and then there's the it's the downside consequence but again typical of ADD it's the it's the distraction and the interest uh, compulsion to do something about it that overrides any thought of the consequence later Exactly. And, and a number of times too with ADHD and skin picking that it's, um, it could be a consequence of just almost like mindless arousal. Like I have a number of patients and this is one of those things that is very, that definitely distinguishes between more of like an OCD 
kind of spectrum skin picking and an ADHD related one is like I have um, patients who they don't even realize that they're picking. They might be sitting and watching TV, but instead of having a fidget toy or, you know, having something to distract, it's almost like their hands are just inspecting their body and, and whatever hits that radar, then and I see because, you know, this is in the family. Skin picking is in the family of what we call the body-focused repetitive behaviors. So that can include trichotillomania, which is hair pulling. It can involve nose picking, nail biting, all of these behaviors that involve sort of the body in these kind of repetitive fashions. They all really are in the same umbrella. So I've had patients who, you know, are watching a movie, and before they know it, they have a clump of hair like mm. in their hands that they just pulled and they're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even realize it. Or while they're driving. Yeah. Like I, a patient who they have a long commute, they have a two hour commute uh, to work and realize that they were driving with one hand on the steering wheel and the other hand was just like picking like at their face and, you know, different mm. parts and not even realizing it. So a big yeah. part of the treatment and the first part of treatment really is, a mindfulness around yeah. when are you doing it, how are you doing it, right? So, um, one thing that, that I wonder about, and I don't know whether parents happen to notice it after a child starts medicine and they wonder if it's related to medication, and I get wondering the same thing. Um, it may have been that it, it was there, but parents hadn't really noticed it. Uh, but now they're focusing on, gee, what's different about you? You're taking medicine. Let's make sure we look at everything you're doing, saying, etc. Is it? Are there times when it is related to medication? Yeah, so we know that for some people, um, it's almost similar to how I think about with ticks, that, um, you know, we know that for some people when they take stimulants, it can increase um, or in the emergence of ticks mm -hmm. and how it's often conceptualized that an individual who probably is prone to them um, or might even have them, but just in more subtle ways and the stimulants kind of pop it out a little bit more, um, that is... For some people who have ADHD when they take stimulants might notice that. And then, but I, I would say that more people that I've worked with with ADHD when they take stimulants are less likely to engage in their body focused mm. repetitive behaviors because they're better able to be mindful of it. They have better yeah. impulse control. They feel like they have a better pause button. Um, better, more awareness. Exactly. So um, I would say it's really in my practice over the years, and I've worked with many patients who have these body-focused repetitive behaviors who also have ADHD, and I would say it's definitely the minority where stimulant medication has um, has made it mm -hmm. that problem really difficult. And in those cases, those individuals may might treat their ADHD if they're taking medication with non-stimulants um, because mm -hmm. the stimulants are almost too, it's just activating that kind of yeah. behavior um, in, in that kind of way. But absolutely, it's always something to be aware of that if, if someone is listening to this podcast and their child is engaging in these behaviors to track, you know, is it something that's new? Is it something that has been exacerbated by, you know, medication. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, when people who take stimulants that they'll say that 
it's more that they just kind of feel more activated and really the work sometimes is around guiding them towards things that they could utilize that energy, yeah. you know, utilize that. Because a lot of times, you know, for individuals prior to taking stimulants, they're more feeling like inactivated and like a, a, the sense of inertia. So now they have this sort of more grounded feeling, but they might not know what to do with it. And so yeah. I've worked yeah. with patients who it was first the skin picking, but then when we had a list, we would generate a list of, okay, what are things that you can do while, let's say, if, if watching a movie, you tend to pick, okay, well, you'll, get, you'll fold your laundry during that time, then the skin picking went away. It was almost like it wasn't even as much about the skin picking as much as it was about doing something with their hands in that way. Yeah. And then there are other individuals where it is triggered by body image issues and, and things like that that, you know, have different dimensions to it. But, yeah, um, that's a, but yeah first and foremost is just be mindful of it. Mm-hmm. So I can just picture, okay, remember when you go to a movie to put your fidget toy in your pocket um, or yeah. you know, bust with your keys or some coins or something so that there's something moving, uh, not hopefully the right. third thing of popcorn. Uh, limit that to one. One exactly. Uh, one patient of mine who probably has well, she does have the worst skin picking I've ever seen. She will literally dig at her skin, and there'll mm. be a sore there. And I mean, it gets yeah. sore to the point that her. Uh, Mom sewed gloves onto you know, mittens onto the end of her um, onesie pajamas. Now this is a 12-year-old. Admittedly, started out uh, life in an orphanage in another country, so she's malnourished and small. But uh, the child chewed through the mittens. So mom ended up with wool woodcarver's gloves on her, which mm -hmm. mm, protective against cuts, child can't chew through. Um, right. But when they're taken off for one thing or another, their first reaction is to go dig at a sore. And it, it's very yeah. difficult to uh, figure out whether, uh, you know, is this OCD, is this some other kind of uh, manifestation of a you know delusion or psychosis and um, and unfortunately things like CBT would be difficult because it would probably need to be in her native language um, mm -hmm. is a difficult uh, difficult thing to do if she's even interested in doing it so um, that just compulsion but it's hard to uh, figure out where it comes from. Is is that something that can be identified as you work with someone? Kind of where where does it start from, or is it more important to just look at? Okay, this is the behavior. Let's look at diverting it, extinguishing it, something like that. 
Yeah, I would say it's more, it's, I guess the most important thing is what function does it serve? Um, that even, you know, sometimes I have worked with patients where it could be almost a form of self-harm um, for them instead of cutting. Um, uh -huh. They might pick at their skin in very self-loathing, um, you know, brutal ways. Um, sometimes it could be a manifestation of, of trauma in terms of, you know, what they might be doing to their bodies um, that, um, you know, I, I have worked with people, a couple of patients over the years that um, their trichotillomania, their compulsive hair pulling was around their genital area and that mm. for them was more related to their trauma. But I've also worked with people who pull genital hairs where there is no trauma history. That, um, but mm. I would say the more the overarching thing is what function does it serve. So if it serves the function of asking somebody, okay, does this soothe you? Because a lot of, particularly the ADHD patients, will say they feel like soothed because here's this like sensation. It is a kind of stimulating sensation. We know that mm -hmm. we know that that can be very self-soothing. For some people, they might say when they're bored, they, that boredom is really the biggest trigger. You know, they could be in a great mood. It has nothing to do with being anxious or being angry. They're just bored. Um, other patients, it is more stress-related. So is it self-soothing? Mm -hmm. Is it um, a manifestation, again, of more like self-loathing sort of in the self-harm way? Is it a manifestation of body dysmorphic disorder, which is a, uh, another disorder that I specialize in where people have a preoccupation with their appearance and thinking that they're mm -hmm. ugly and and that's highly associated with skin picking about a third of people with BDD will engage in skin picking so that obviously is a different kind of treatment um, yeah. um, is it because it's stimulating is it that they have a hard time just not being distracted by it like what what is the function of it mm -hmm. and then you work at understanding it and really being mindful of it like when does the person do it um, how often do they do it and what you know scenarios they might find themselves um, doing it knowing uh, knowing the behavior basically inside and out um, and then developing behavioral strategies so it's it could be you know what's often called like habit reversal uh, strategies so you either develop strategies that make doing that behavior more difficult or less and or less rewarding. And so, for example, the gloves on the hands, that's what some, some of my patients will do. When they know they're in their kind of trigger situation, they might wear gloves. And even if they have gloves, they know if they pick at their skin, they're not going to get the same kind of sensory data mm -hmm. um, from it. So it's going to be less reinforcing for them. Um, it could be instead of, you know, maybe having gloves in their hands, but having, like you mentioned, like a fidget ball. So if the, if the function is, oh, it's something, it's like just manual stimulation, just yeah. something to do with my hands, let's find something else to do, you know, with your hands. Um, let's um, have what's called a competing response. So, for example, if, if somebody folds their hands and, you know, almost like as if they're praying in some ways, that sitting down um, and doing that makes you a little bit more mindful um, than your hands being like kind of free. It's almost mm -hmm. like people who engage in skin picking will say that they feel as if their hands are just almost kind of their own entity moving to the parts of their body. So if you mm -hmm. fold your hands, something that simple 
but it, it really does, it communicates also to the body, okay, we're not here to search for something to pick, yeah. you know, because yeah. our hands are folded. They have the sensation of their fingers interlocking, for instance, so there's Exactly. And it maybe it's, okay, now I'm secure, I'm not going to be dragged into doing this. Um, so exactly. What I, I see sometimes is the dynamic between um, parent and child, even here in the office, uh, we get talking about it and I ask the child, are you aware of when you're doing it? And yes, sometimes, but they aren't necessarily aware of why right at that time, what is it that triggered it? Um, so right. a 10-year-old is not likely to notice if he's doing that, uh, if he's sitting in class or if he's, um, you know, up in his room watching a video or something. So mom's going to see it sometimes when they're together as a family, but not all the time. And then maybe right. I was going to try to hide it from mom. So bringing that awareness right. um, is, I would think, a little tricky in a, in a younger person. Yes, and, and it really a lot of the work is, and even with young people, I've worked with young people who engage in this behavior, and, and they do become better at articulating it. I think it's, it's teaching them the same skills as you would an adult, like, you know, noticing, oh, when do you find yourself, you know, doing this, and mm-hmm. how does it feel, and, um, you know, and, and there are a lot of people who engage in, if you kind of look at the whole umbrella of, of these kind of behaviors, but, you know, I remember when I was very young that I used to like to tickle my eyelashes and create almost like a a, a tense, a, a certain tension, and then itch my eye to resolve that wow. tension. Um, and I, of course, I couldn't tell you that's what I was doing at the time. I just yeah. know accidentally, I think there was something in my eye. I actually remember the very first time I did this. It was something in my eye, and I went to remove like a piece of dust, and it brushed against my eyelashes in a certain way that it was like a very interesting sensation. And it was like, ooh, that's interesting. And But then it, I, I had to itch it. Now, this is the funny thing, David, because what we also know is like ADHD, which is highly genetic, that um, these body-focused repetitive behaviors also can have a genetic quality to them. And um, I did this for years when I was a kid, and then it just sort of, you know, became something I didn't do anymore. And then you fast forward many years later, and my son, who's now almost 17, but when he was two, he was sitting on the couch in, in our living room, and I'm just watching him, and he's tickling his eyelashes. And I had never mentioned this before. I had never done this. I kid you not. And he's itching his eye. And I said, I said, buddy, I said, what, what are you doing? And, you know, with a lot of curiosity, like I didn't obviously yeah. didn't want him to feel shame. And I said, oh, what are you doing, buddy? And he said, daddy, he goes, you tickle the hairs right here at the end of your eye. He was a very articulate kid at two. He says, and then you itch it, and it feels so good. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> and and oh, I thought, now that, if that is not an argument for genetics, I 
I mean, of all the things, David, like, I mean, who, that is such an esoteric kind of behavior. And yet it was something I, I don't know, is it epigenetics? I mean, there's something. And I thought, Oh, interesting. This is very, and I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to have to keep my eye open for other things. And sure enough, when he was younger, when he was three or four, he used to, when he was sit, watch TV, he used to like to suck his thumb and twirl his hair. And then Mm. sometimes the hair would come out, but his intention was not to pull it out, but sometimes it would get knotted and he'd like pull it out. And I thought, oh no, 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 we got to work on that fast mm-hmm. because I knew how stimulating and rewarding that could be. So, um, and he, it was, it was a habit and, and he did have this, he had this sort of little bald spot. And then I mm-hmm. bought this teddy bear, um, that was the softest sort of teddy bear that um, it was really like simulated like human hair, the way it felt mm-hmm. like it didn't feel like, um, rough, you know, sometimes, I don't know, I was never a big fan of stuffed animals because a lot of the yeah. hair was like rough. And and I bought him that and we named him Paco. Um, and then he would twirl Paco's hair. And that's oh. what resolved the behavior. Yeah. And he didn't yeah. do so. That's a good example, I guess, of that response where that behavior was so powerful and that reinforcement, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, mm-hmm. there's no because I we tried, I would put Vaseline on his fingertips, we would have him wear a hat. Um, and the thing that did it was getting something else something that was else. simulated yeah. enough. Yep. Similar and then eventually he didn't similar sensation. And that I said, you can go, go house on, on Paco. I'm like, you could do, you know, twirl all you want. And then yeah. eventually he didn't, you know, need the animal anymore, but it's, it was, it's one of those moments as a parent that you're like, wow, these, these genes are pretty yeah. strong. <laughs> Well, what what I see uh, then in, in terms of awareness, uh, there's bringing awareness to the person doing it of how often those kinds of things. But if that uh, is a child, then parents being aware of this condition and realizing this can turn into a high reward and a repeated behavior. Yeah. So then looking at things like substituting something that's a similar sensation to the fingers, not necessarily to his hair or scalp. Um, right. Just before that association comes up. Uh, and unfortunately, we're going to have to cut short our uh, discussion, or at least we've come up with some good uh, ideas of how to help people identify it. You're in your teens and 20s, you can work on awareness of it, and parents can notice it and uh, help divert it from becoming such a serious issue. Yes, and I would just direct people, David, to a wonderful organization called the TLC Foundation for BF. Yeah, TLC Foundation for Body Focused Repetitive Behaviors. Their website is bfrb.org. And they are an organization devoted to research. Um, they have a treatment provider database. If you're looking for a provider that specializes in these issues all across the country, they have an annual conference that actually has a track for kids. A lot of kids attend the conference. Wow. So it's almost like summer camp for these kids that they get to meet other kids who have trichotillomania and dermatillomania. Mm-hmm. Um, they do wonderful, wonderful work. So I would highly recommend people check out that website. 
Great. Thank you so much. That sounds like a great resource. Well, my discussion today has been with Dr. Roberto Alavardia, who is a clinical psychologist in Lexington, Massachusetts, and uh, as you've heard today, an expert in some of the behavioral kinds of things that may accompany ADHD because of the extrasensory uh, sensitivity, I guess, um, of something on the skin, and then it gets into a reward. So we can cut short that uh, pathway and help uh, people with ADD not fall into it. Roberto, thank you so much for being on the show again. Oh, my pleasure, David. And for all the listeners out there, please take care, stay safe, and be well. <laughs>